Aloha. This is Jason. I am here with artist Joe Gomez, the artist of La Mureta. Joe, welcome to the show. Hey, uh, how you doing, Jason? I'm doing good, Joe. Now, before I begin our interview, I just want to give um, listeners a brief history of, you know, how I met Joel. So I met Joel and Beth Sotelo last year at the 2020 Amazing Comic Con. Aloha. You know, um, and, you know, I bought, um, I bought from Joel um, a, a La Mueta comic. I've been, that was the first time I've been ever introduced to this series. And I've also backed the um, 2020 Kickstarter, La Mureta Kickstarter from last year, 2020. Um, and I'm going to continue on. I'm going to also want to give a big thanks to Beth so, because Beth helped me connect with Joel. So, you know, Beth, thank you very much. Um, and every so often, you know, me and Joel will, will you know, we kind of like connect over Twitter or once in a while, I'll send you guys an email saying, hey, how you guys doing and stuff like that. Yeah. Now, some of your past works you have, have, that you have done was Top Cow, um, Top Cow Darkness, Witchblade slash Lady Death. Um, from Image, you've done Witchblade. From DC, you've done Lost Boys, Reign of Frogs. You've, son, you've done some work on Batman, um, the specifically Batman number four from the 2012 series. And also, um, and of course you are the artist on, of La Mureta, which is now available on Comixology. Yeah. Well, did I miss anything? Well, <laughs> no, not really. I mean, it's, uh, it's, I've had a long, <laughs> I've had a long run. Um, I got my start, uh, Top Cow Productions, just as a pencil assistant. Um, it wasn't in any official capacity. I was just loitering and hanging out with the artist and fortunate enough that Mark Silvestri never kicked me out. Um, I did meet and, and make great friends there um, that I still, you know, keep in touch with today. And uh, people like Francis Manipool, um, Joe Benitez, uh, Brian Ching, uh, Kucha, uh, quite a few other guys, E. Bass, Eric Bessel, do a, um, and while at Top Cow, I, like I said, I was mainly just hanging out, meeting the artists, but I, I took advantage of an opportunity uh, as a background artist, assisting on books, specifically guys uh, who may have had late deadlines or whatever. Doing backgrounds was a way for them to, uh, for me, I should say, it was a way for me to learn from them, but also help them in some capacity so that it, um, I would, you know, help them meet their deadlines and I would take that opportunity to show them my own sequential work and get pointers and so forth. Um, yeah, and then it led to me working at Aspen Comics with Mike Turner and uh, the guys there and pretty much same capacity, still doing backgrounds. And uh, I, at that time, got to work with Francis Manipal on a book called Iron and the Maiden, um, the creator of Jack and Daxter and Crash Bandicoot uh, had created this new property and he was turning it into a graphic novel. And so uh, I helped Francis get that book done again, just backgrounding. And uh, that work got me noticed by Jim Lee at Wildstorm, who then hired me as a staff artist. And uh, my wife and I moved out to San Diego and I worked in studio um, 
with Jim and a bunch of the guys that were there at the time. Uh, then Mike Lopez, JJ Kirby, Carlos Dianda, Rich Friend, Livio Ramondelli, Eddie Nunez. Um, there's like a, a group of us. Um, and um, everybody was working on the DCU MMO video game there under Jim's guidance. And I was just a freelance penciler anchor there. And that's when I got to work on uh, Lost Boys, Reign of Frogs. I also worked on uh, Wetworks, Gears of War, um, The Authority, The Lost Year. Um, just bouncing around doing a couple of things, Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, but that's really where I first became a full-fledged penciler, I guess. I, I got my first full penciling work while at uh, Wildstorm and uh, learned a lot from everybody who was there. Everybody was really nice. Um, and uh, at one point, I think it was in 2010, Wildstorm was shuttered. They kind of shut the doors. Um, and uh, I stayed in San Diego. And for a little while, I was bouncing around doing random freelance stuff, odds and ends. And then in, I think, 2013 is when I met Brian Polito in Phoenix at a small local show. And he offered me the opportunity to work on La Muerta. Mm -hmm. um, ironically enough, I turned him down because I thought, well, I'm just not a bad girl artist. And uh, and he's like, no, I know you aren't. And I that kind of intrigued me. And then I realized, like, wait a minute, maybe this guy has something awesome up his sleeve that I don't know about. Mm -hmm. And uh, I didn't know Brian all that well at that time. But uh, I've come to know him a lot better. And he's always got all kinds of crazy and awesome ideas kicking around. and. La Muerta just happened to be one of them that I learned about. And ironically, when I figured out, he sent me like this lookbook for it. And in the lookbook was pretty much a sense of what the book was about, the look they were going for. Um, it was very descriptive. It felt like a, like a grocery list of items for something they're about to cook. And I was really intrigued and I, I was like, I love this. This looks amazing. I, I, I want to jump in on this. And he told me, oh, well, I need you to start at this date. And and I was like, I, I can start the following month because I'm wrapping something up. And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I, I, I guess this isn't going to work out. And my jaw just hit the floor. I was like, oh, no, did I just miss out on this awesome thing that I could have been a part of? And I, But it wasn't my fault or his fault. It just the schedule. They didn't work out. you know. Yeah. And so he was super nice about it. And then like, <laughs> I was like, Oh man. And then like a month passed or something. And then he reaches out to me via email and he's like, Hey, by the way, this, it didn't quite work out. Like I was hoping might you still be available. And I was like, Hell yeah. <laughs> so I jumped on it and the opportunity. And um, the funny thing is La Muerta has been such a unique experience mm -hmm. in that the lookbook he presented to me gave me the tone and the style they wanted this to be in but I wasn't I was nowhere near the artist I needed to be to pull it off mm -hmm. and so oh man I'd say the first two chapters of La Muerta were a real like crash course in uh learn as you go for mm -hmm. me um there was a lot of push and pull a lot of notes and back and forth from Brian because again I'm molding and shaping this thing to be what he's trying to get to and so it took me a little bit, but I finally landed it, and we've just been building on that from there. And uh, I've grown so much more as an artist because I'm adapting to what someone else is asking of me. And so it, I think I've become a better team player 
only because I understand it's a team sport a little more. And uh, with that has come more challenges, but also I've, I've acquired so many more tools and, and it's been a great, it's been a great asset. It's been a great learning experience. And the only ever, the only thing I can liken it to is being in a band and like everybody has a part to play and, but we all get our solos, you know, every mm -hmm. once in a while. And so it's been great fun. And I, I I'm, I'm just super uh, grateful to Coffin and, and Brian for having me on board and I'm just lucky and I'm just counting my blessings. <laughs> so I'm going to touch bases. So with the, uh, not touch bases, but, um, for the readers, I'm going to, so La Muerta was, um, correct me if I'm wrong, Joel, and, and I'm sorry, I, I'm going to try to pronounce it as best I can. I love it. I love listening to you pronounce it. <laughs> um, no, La, now, it was created, now correct me if I'm wrong, it was created by Brian Polito and Mike McLean, is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brian Polito, uh, creator of Lady Death, Hellwitch, mm -hmm. uh, Evil Ernie, and uh, oh man, so many other characters, uh, Purgatory. Um, right, yeah. Coffin Comics is his latest, uh, he's kind of evolved this new company, and uh, I want to say Coffin Comics started in 2013, but that's a guess. Mm -hmm. um, and he brought Lady Death, was his, his seminal character for the, the, uh, the company, and he slowly has been unfolding this universe that he seems to have been orchestrating for a while. And he and Mike McLean are kind of the architects of this whole thing at Coffin. And uh, I just helped the guys kind of build it up. And like I said, when I, when I was first invited to help out on La Muerta, they, they pretty much had a really strong idea of what they wanted with the character. And fortunately though, in, again, we've done this, this, this is the seventh uh, chapter. This is the 748 page chapter that we've wrapped up of La Muerta. And it's the first chapter that I got to co-plot with uh, Mike McLean. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's been an awesome opportunity only because I think that having six chapters under my belt and, and uh, familiarity with the other guys, Mike and uh, Brian, and even the colorist that we had at the time, Cece, it was, uh, I learned so much of what they wanted and what they were avoiding that it became easy for me to, to kind of uh, know what we were going for. And in doing so, like Mike and Brian were kind enough to allow me to jump in on the plotting. And for the most part, I think it's, it's mainly just a matter of like, well, what kind of fight sequences do we ha want to have? Or what kind of environments do we want these characters in? And in a, it's, a, it's a neat opportunity that Mike has provided to me that allows me to say like, oh shit, what if we had an awesome fight scene on the top of you know, yeah. this building or whatever. And so just to add a little more uh, creative stuff to the art that he and I can kind of play up a little more, you know, that then we can choreograph certain things or maybe even an action sequence just to up the ante and keep things fresh with what we're presenting so that it's not always the same old punch around kind of fight mm -hmm. sequence, you know? Um, and it's been a thrill. I'm really grateful for the chance, you know? So now this current chapter that you guys are, um, is actually have finished already. It's titled correct. Onslaught, correct? Is this the one that- Yes. Okay, so it's Onslaught and it's a Kickstarter that's gonna start on May 12th. So, correct. Okay, 
All right. And then uh, I'm going to just backtrack a little bit. So for the listeners um, that may not know the character, may I ask, can you give like a brief origin story of her? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, La Muerta is the story of a character named Maria Diaz. Uh, she's a former Afghan war veteran uh, who comes back from a tour of duty overseas. Um, and while visiting her family, uh, they're gunned down by a local drug cartel. Um, and they're left for dead, but little do they know that Maria actually survives just barely. She survives the attack. And uh, the, uh, the cartel even goes so far as to burn her house down and she barely escapes with her life. And while she's recovering, this, um, this character named Faustino, who is like, uh, it's kind of a local barrio homeless person, who is also a former war veteran, um, and knew Maria's family. He he was the one who rescued her rescued her from the burning house, and uh, he's kind of he has her hold up as she recovers, and he gives her more or less the lowdown of what happened to her family. And uh, she decides to avenge her family and uh, go after the cartel uh, that murdered them. And so it's kind of got vibes of a movie called Death Wish from the old days. It's a very much a, uh, a kind of genre revenge tale. And, uh, and the protagonist, Maria Diaz, the former Afghan war vet, um, she starts to get uh, these visions or these dreams that are so lucid. And uh, she realizes they're more than dreams. And she's actually being visited by the spirit Santa Muerte, which is the Mexican deity of death. Um, and the Mexican deity of death uh, in the Mexican culture is kind of viewed in a way different than like, I guess, American culture views death, you know, and, and I guess uh, the La Muerta is an extension of uh, Santa Muerte. And basically Santa Muerte is, uh, is the spirit of the fallen. So she's kind of like a vengeful ghost. Uh-huh. And by extension, she imbues Maria Diaz with the powers of Santa Muerte, which there's somewhat supernatural powers. Um, and uh, she kind of sees things happening or about to happen in her dreams. And so it gives her the information needed to hunt down or look for uh, the people that she needs to get to. Uh, and so with each chapter of La Muerte, we've expanded on the, the, the universe that she's in. And the, the area she lives in is somewhat of an L.A., Los Angeles kind of vibe. It's kind of got a barrio feel to it. Um, but it's also now in the later chapters extending into a way where she's somewhat becoming part of this universe that the rest of the Coffin Comics characters all thrive in. And so in a weird way, La Muerte Onslaught pushes her and the characters in her universe kind of colliding in with the other Coffin Comics characters in a, in a unique way. Um, and so in some ways, she's kind of jumping up to a bigger stage. She's mm-hmm. no longer just in the barrio. She's, she's part of a supernatural event that's happening within the Coffin Comics universe. Um, so it's exciting. And I, and I, and I hope that uh, the latest chapter stands on its own as a as a one and done kind of story but i also think that there's enough information there that 
may want may kind of inspire readers to check out some of the earlier chapters and learn more about La Muerta, the character herself. You know, because, you know, um, Joel. Because thank you very much for the um, graphic novel that I got from you last year. I'm enjoying. Oh yeah, it. I really am. And it's um, La Muerta Lives, Volume One. Um, mm -hmm. I'm reading it. I love it. Um, I also love, um, I guess, I guess like a tagline, you know, in death, she lives. That's pretty cool. Isn't that great? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> What's funny, Brian, he's so good. He's so clever with these things. I mean, um, what that technically is like lady death, you mm -hmm. know, it's, uh, um, but it's like a, it's a play on words, you know, and, uh, I think it's neat, like in death, she lives, you know, cause it's like, yeah. it's like she had to almost die to become this character that she is. Uh, and so it's almost like the the emotional arc of this character, Maria Diaz, is such a unique one in that, you know, she's only she only wants to do what's right, but then coming back from the war in Afghanistan and, and what happens to her family, um, she kind of distances herself from from people. And that was one of the things that Brian, Mike, and myself wanted to touch on in this latest chapter, because at this point, we'll have already had six different stories with this character. And after a while, you start to try to figure out, well, what is this person about? Like, what, what makes them tick? Uh -huh. And in this chapter, some of the people, I'm sorry, some of the characters that are in the La Muerta story have been around for a couple of chapters, but even they are starting to try to understand, like, what is with this person? And you realize there may be a fear. Um, maybe it's... Uh, maybe it's a post-traumatic disorder, you know, from the war, but it, maybe it's also because she lost her family as well. Mm -hmm. And there are things that she's not, she's not willing to grapple with emotionally. And in this latest chapter of La Muerta, she has no choice. And um, the people that she keeps at arm's distance, she realizes she can't do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And she can't fight or wage this war that she's in on her own. Yes. And so to an extent, you know, we kind of touch on all of those things in this latest chapter and it's interesting. I'm curious to see what the fans and readers will think of where we take the story and what it means for future stories of La Muerta because it's always fun to have the, the action and the punch up fights and stuff, but you also want to know what's underneath the hood. What's the character about? What are their qualities that, you know, you admire or what makes them closer to be like what you're like, you know, and uh, we kind of, uh, we kind of enjoy reading stories about people that are somewhat relatable to us, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, um, I'm going off the cuff because when I was reading, um, when I was reading the story, um, after Maria is rescued um, and after she finally recovers, um, she, you know, because it's like in a, like in a, either an abandoned building or a home where the, um, the, the other homeless veteran that saved her, she mm -hmm. goes into the bathroom and then she starts putting not not makeup but she put starts putting paint. a design on her face paint how did mm -hmm. that creation come about you know was it was it brian or michael was it all three of you guys or well it was in the script brian had it, uh, an idea of what he was going for and he even had um he even had uh like photo reference for me um so it was like he, he he had done like I think I want to say like a photo shoot with a with a model uh, putting on face makeup and it was for something else. Okay. Uh, 
but it was La Muerta related. And so I just took the image that he provided and, and played that up even more. Um, the coolest thing, again, is that it's more of the thing that I may, may have mentioned earlier where, you know, uh, give, me, give me the thing I like, but in a different way, um, which is what this, this story, La Muerta, is in a sense, a revenge tale. And in a lot of ways, it kind of reminds me of a thing, um, The Crow. Uh, oh yes, James O'Barr. So that there's elements of that in the, in in the same kind of vein, you know. But um, but not it, it's still different, you know. But it, there, there's qualities that 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 kind of like ring through throughout, you know. And so, and I think that's the thread that Brian's always pulling on, and and it's like this timeless quality that he's shooting for. And so what I think we do is. Uh, we're changing the window dressing, so to speak, but we're we're kind of sticking to a very classic kind of um, kind of a, a tale, you know what I mean? And in a lot of ways, that's what makes it fun because Brian and Mike will add little twists and turns to the script that make it make it its own thing and, and unique enough to where it isn't the same story, you know. Um, and that's what I enjoy about it. And I think that, like the scene that you were asking me about. I think it, it might have been a pivotal thing for Brian. Like he imagined, all right, this is the big scene where she finally puts it on for the first time. Absolutely. And so like he had a very, um, he had a very clear, decisive look that he was like, we want this. And I'm like, you got it. And we did it. You know what I mean? So, but it, he knew what he was doing. You know what I mean? He knew that the way it was going to fit and how people were going to read it. And it's neat. It's neat to see that and to experience it. And then so that next time we do something else, I'll remember that experience and be like, oh, that's right, Brian set that up like that. And so it just makes it a, a fun thing to anticipate in future things because it's like uh, learning improv with somebody. Okay. And, and you realize like uh, we're all, you know, flying or we're all trying stuff off the cuff here, but there's a way, there's a method to our madness, I guess. Uh -huh. And uh, the, the more experience I have with Brian and Mike, the more I realize how much in synchronicity I could be with what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. That's pretty cool. I, I'm, and that's nice that Brian gave you like um, reference photos of it. Oh yeah, man. Yeah. Well, again, like I said, he, I know when he's very like laser focused on something because I'll get all kinds of um, stuff like, mm -hmm. Hey, here's, here's the photo wrapper. Here's the, the, the color of the sky I wanted to see. And I go, Oh, okay. 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 And so then at that point, it's up to me to amplify the things he wants uh, seen, you know. Off the cuff, have you done a panel where it's just all black and you just see La Mueta's face? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I did that quite a bit in the earlier chapters because I was still learning the, because it's a crime noir. And so when, when I saw the lookbook Brian gave me, I saw how many he had stuff from um, El Mariachi in there. He had stuff from The Crow in there. He had a bunch of like old crime noir uh, photos in there. And so there was a lot of real high contrast lighting. Uh, Sin City, the movie was in there. And so I knew that he wanted this like a lot of single light source with lots of shadows kind of thing. And so for the first two chapters, I was going nuts trying to do that as much as possible. And then around... Chapter three and four, I toned it down a little bit and started using my own version of that, you know. Um, but for the first two chapters, 
I was trying any kind of like visual trope that would help like make it look you're reading a crime noir guys look there's there's venetian blind shadows on everybody's face like you know stuff like that where and then once you realize like all right i did that to death let me try something else so it's not so stale you know what i mean um but in the early stages oh my gosh i would like any chance i would get to put her in an alley and just have her face like pop up as a really white contrasty thing i did it you know it's there was a lot of fun stuff to play around with that. All right. So um, Onslaught is the new chapter. Without giving any spoilers, can you um, – what is this current story about? Without giving – Onslaught – you know what? The Onslaught was a fun – it was a fun thing to work on because it, I – started early with Mike and I told him this needs to be like about family. Mm-hmm. And then he, cause here's the thing, like every chapter we know there's going to be some big drawn out fight. Mm-hmm. So with that has to happen. So we don't even really bring that up because we know we're going to have to have that. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the underlying foundation or the core of the story has to be something else. And so we window dress it to be the thing you want it to be. But underneath, you're going to want to care about the characters because they're going through something or experiencing something that isn't completely red on the surface. Mm-hmm. And, and in this chapter seven, La Muerta Onslaught, we throw everything at La Muerta from the coffin universe. And she's kind of uh, inundated with all these new characters that aren't from her neighborhood, so to speak. But at the at the core of the story, the message is the fact that Maria Diaz just doesn't let anyone into her life. And so she's surrounded by all these people who support what she does as the character La Muerta, but she won't let them in. And uh, and through this action-packed issue, we take little beats within the story to amplify that situation and and by the end of the story you know there are decisions made and maria has to uh, consider things differently than had the way she did before because she needs these people mm-hmm. and so we try to you know play that part up as much as possible and still give you the summer blockbuster action sequences that's pretty cool and like i and joel before we started you know like i said you know when this kickstarter comes out i'm definitely backing it uh, you know. Oh, thanks, man. Oh. Yeah, we're excited. We're hoping people enjoy the new story. Oh, yes. Um, also, too, since we're talking about the Kickstarter, um, I'm just asking, do you know how many varying covers you guys might have? Oh, my gosh. They do so many. I'm going to guess. I know I did, I did six of my own. Okay. And I'm imagining, this is me just taking a wild guess, but they'll probably have upwards of, like, 15 to 20 different type of covers. Mm-hmm. Um, Brian, he does an amazing job with his Kickstarters and the rewards tiers. Mm-hmm. Um, shit, I even have three rewards tiers that are sketch cover tiers. So like in one rewards tier, you can get a watercolor head sketch from me of La Muerta. Mm-hmm. And there's another tier where you can get a full figure sketch mm-hmm. on a sketch cover of La Muerta and then mm-hmm. a wraparound cover as well. So they... They really do a good job of uh, presenting as many, a large variety of yeah. rewards yes. tiers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, 
yeah, so Brian, he does such a great job with his Kickstarters. Yeah. And, you know, last year when I backed up last year's one, you know, I was just expecting, you know, I was just expecting, you know, just a regular, I, I think it was the 40H comic book. I was just expecting that. I got that because I guess one of the stretch goals was met. Not only did I get that one, but I also got another one with like um, a metal plate covering. That was oh damn you did yes <laughs> oh wow those are rare man those oh, are my... those are pretty pricey do you I... remember which one it was no I don't because I because all I know was when I opened up my thing you know and I opened up the envelope I'm like okay you know I'll just you know I'll have the regular stuff and I was like what is and I was like oh this is so awesome <laughs> so yeah those man and... those books go for a pretty penny man <laughs> okay all right because the other thing is when con when conventions start up again safely when it's safe to travel when you and beth come back to hawaii for amazing comic con i'm bringing oh, yeah. that one for you to autograph because that, oh that, for sure man yeah man I'm yeah, like, absolutely yeah but i was like that's so cool <laughs> so you got all kind you so you got all kinds of extra loot huh yes i did i got you know i got the i've got a sticker i've got um like one i guess like a sorry guys i know this sony audio but like yeah i got like some of the pin stuff <laughs> I mean, it's that's cool. It, yeah, it was like wow. So yeah, that's well, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> so it, it was really great. Um, I, I'm just, I'm just asking. Do you know what other like stretch goal rewards um, for certain tiers, if they're met or anything? Do you know offhand? I do not offhand, but I know um, they do so many, and mm -hmm. they, they give you so much stuff. Uh, you know. Even if like if you backed it and it breaks certain tiers, you still get free stuff. You know what yeah. I mean? So I'm not real familiar with how it is that Coffin Comics operates with their Kickstarters. I just know that uh, they're pretty exciting. And when they launch, uh, it's neat to see everybody's response to them. Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to the Kickstarters, those guys, they don't mess around. Coffin Comics has a headquarters in Arizona. Mm -hmm. and um, I've visited it a few, a, a few times, and uh, it's a neat building, man. It's such a fun. It feels like it's like a candy store for everything Lady Death and Coffin Comics. Like mm -hmm. it's like every wall is covered with every book they've ever printed, and chromium covers, and metal covers, and mm -hmm. toys, and sculptures, and paintings, and it's just a museum of of all of these. Brian Polito creations and what's amazing is that I would still with all of that amazing cool museum quality type of an appearance I still would say that about uh, 55 60 percent of the headquarters is I would say set up for kickstarters yeah. <laughs> they like have the they have like those countertops that are that have like the little rolling wheels on them yeah. So that they could just slide boxes all day. And then they have like this these big things that hold nothing but like the little styrofoam peanut chips, you yeah. know. And so yeah. like it's like a packing and shipping like fantasy land. Like anything that would make packing and shipping stuff as easy as possible, I'd say 55, 60% of Coffin Comics headquarters is made for that. Um, and then the rest of it is is just this really fancy looking museum, you know. 
Um, so when it comes to Kickstarters, those guys do not mess around. They, they are really good at packaging and getting stuff to people as fast as possible. Yes, they are. Yeah. And like you said, <laughs> they, give, they give free, you know, they give, yeah. stuff, which is nice because I've done, yeah, they, give, back, they get good loot. Yes, they do. Yeah. <laughs> I back a couple other Kickstarters and, and nothing against those Kickstarters, but all you would get is just whatever you order. If you, you know, right. they meet that, that's all you get. And that's fine. That That's what they need. Sure. Yeah. But yeah, coffin comics. Like I didn't expect the whole bunch of stuff, which was nice. <laughs> they, they don't mess around, man. They're great. That's, that's what makes it fun to back their Kickstarters, you know? All right. So, um, be, um, I'm asking this question and let me preface this first because you know, because, you know, we kind of sort of know, know what comic book, how much comic books are sold per month, or we know how much, um, like, followings for Batman. We know how big, you know, Batman fans are, you know, Spider-Man and so forth. How big is the La Mueta fan base is? How big is it? Do you know? Like, you know, <clears throat> it's hard to say. I, I know that it keeps growing, um, and I think with each Kickstarter, it keeps kind of surpassing the previous Kickstarter. Uh -huh. um, I can't really quantify like as a specific number, um, how many uh, fans we have, but I, I would think that we have a growing fan base. And a lot of people that I've met online on Facebook, um, they'll tell me like, you know, man, I really love Coffin Comics and Almerta, I didn't expect that and it's slowly becoming one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And and that makes me that makes me proud because it's like, uh, I wasn't real sure. It's always, it can be a daunting task to be the little brother book at Coffin Comics. Mm -hmm. And I only say that because <laughs> anytime Lady Death does a Kickstarter, it's like upwards of like two hundred, three hundred and fifty thousand dollars, you know, like in what it makes, and that's amazing. Like, yes. and you know, La Muerta does great. It doesn't do Lady Death numbers, you know what I mean? Um, but Lady Death has been around since the early nineties, you know, and I think maybe a big portion of that fan base, maybe it's from them. I don't know, but because La Muerta still keeps going and we keep growing. It's very um, reassuring, and I can't, uh, I can't imagine not working on something La Muerta related just because of how many people respond to it, mm -hmm. and it's a lot more than it used to be. Um, it just keeps growing, and I just keep my fingers crossed that, you know, people are enjoying the stories that we're putting together, Brian, Mike, and myself, and, mm -hmm. and just, just to have the opportunity to tell another one, I, I relish the, the notion, you know? Mm -hmm. Now, do you see any cosplayers at conventions being at, you know, being doing La Muerta? The last time I was in Phoenix, oh man, I want to say two years ago, that was obviously before the pandemic, um, Phoenix Comic Con, I had come across two cosplayers and I was oh. like, wow, this is amazing, you know, because I'd never seen that before. Um, I'm curious, man. It's, you know, it's been a little bit of a hiatus with shows. I'm excited to attend shows and see if maybe there's, there'll be a couple more. Who knows? I'd love to see it. I'd love to get a couple of pictures with them. I have yet to have a picture with a cosplayer. Oh, but like you said, that was, that's so exciting. But yeah, did they, did they stop by the table? What was the interaction? Oh, no, no. There, it was at a, uh, 
it was, I think it was at a, a Coffin Comics signing at their booth. Okay. And so, because they're in, because Coffin is in Arizona, when they do the Phoenix show, they get a really big booth. And and uh, I had an artist alley table at the same show, and I got a text from the Coffin guy saying like, "Hey, come to our booth at this time. We're gonna have a big signing." And I was like, "Oh yeah, that's cool," because you know anybody who was around. And when I got there, I was just signing books next to Brian and Mike, and that's when I saw the cosplayer, and she had like a sombrero, and she had like the guns, and she was part mariachi, part La Muerta, and I was like, oh, that looks so badass, but I was, I didn't really get to take advantage of the, the opportunity, because I was signing, and it only dawned on, it only dawned on me after, and I walked away from the booth, and I was like, oh, shit, I should have said something, and I kept on, oh, I'll probably see her tomorrow, or yeah. you know, she'll be walking around. Yeah. And I, I didn't see it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, excuse me. But like I said, that must have been so cool to see. I mean, even though... You yeah, know, it's really fun. neat, man. Yeah. Oh, it's awesome. It's a neat experience. I don't think it's something that uh, goes away where you're like mm -hmm. not excited to see somebody dressed up in the thing you draw. You know, that's that's so cool, man. That's amazing. All right. Um, let's see. Any word um, for... La Muretta being option for a movie or a limited series? You know, there was talks right before the pandemic and uh, there was, she, she had been uh, in discussions at a, a studio. Um, I don't know. I kind of feel like maybe the whole pandemic thing and everything after kind of, you know, put that on the back burner, but who knows, you know, um, and besides, that kind of stuff isn't really happening till it's happening. You know, yeah. so many things could be signed, and you know, people could be on board. And until they actually, until they actually start rolling film, it it's nothing until it happens. You know, and so seems like there's you know some rattlings about, but we'll see. Only time will tell. You know, we'll we'll keep producing kick-ass comics and hope that that'll be enough to generate more interest in that again you know wow that's pretty that's pretty cool at least at least there's some talk but like you said until they start filming and everything you know. yeah yeah you can you can get you can get you can give yourself like an afternoon to be excited about it yes. but then you, you just kind of have to put it away in the back of your mind because you'll go crazy with that and the way those things function are way beyond my comprehension comprehension so it's better I'm better served if I put my energy towards making more books, you know? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, let's see. Um, um, do you guys, do you guys have any future stories where maybe she may return to Afghanistan or maybe go to Japan in future stories? Because I, and when I refer to um, La Muerta going to Japan, I saw that Ronin cover that you um, oh, that yeah. did for the um, from script to final page on Coffin Comics TV. It's a YouTube uh, show, a channel. Yeah, so I yeah, saw yeah. The the uh, Coffin Comics channel. Yeah. Yes. No, thank you. Um, it's funny that you say that. Uh, <laughs> Mike and I, uh, we've been, we kind of, we were starting to work on the next chapter of La Muerta. Um, couple months ago and then Brian gave us a new kind of list of orders and he said put that on the back burner guys we got this other thing but before we put the pause button on it 
uh, Mike and I already had Maria on somewhat of a road trip. So she was going to be leaving the barrio and headed somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And we thought the change of scenery would help uh, create some interesting action sequences and new characters for her to meet and plot lines that maybe we could revisit later down the line. And so, yes, in some ways, I think we're going to take, uh, we're taking La Muerta out of the ghetto, uh, mm -hmm. but we're not taking the ghetto out of La Muerta. Yes. <laughs> so, uh, we have her visiting other new places, uh, but I think uh, that's all I can say for now. Um, but they will be somewhat, again, character related uh -huh. in the way that um, the places she'll be going to will be adding more to her backstory or yes. just more to what she's about than okay. what the character, I mean, than what the readers know at the moment. Okay. Um, let's see. I'm going to bring this up already, you know, and I'm just, and it's just, I'm just, it's a fun question. I'm just going to ask is, would you guys like to see La Mureta and the Punisher crossover? Hell yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> How cool would that be, man? Right? Like, oh, that'd be so cool. Honestly. Yeah. yeah. Two, two characters, uh, you know, almost cut from the same cloth, yes. um, but not. Like there's so much you think that they are like, but then what if you made the focus that that that, that wasn't that uh, that wasn't the case at all? Like, what if it was so they were so different? Uh -huh. um, and I think that could be such a unique twist to the idea because on the surface they seem so similar, and that's the hook is that that would be a fun thing to explore and really just kind of unfold all the different ways that they are not because. <laughs> yeah. La Muerta Maria Diaz comes from somewhat of a supernatural kind of setting. Like yeah. The things and powers or uh, the, the things that she's involved in come from somewhat of a mystical place, you mm -hmm. know, and there's a lot of the unknown. Uh, Frank Castle operates in a way different function. You know, mm -hmm. Frank Castle is a hammer in a world of nails, you yes. know, um, and so to have that contrast uh oh man it seems like a great i don't know buddy comedy cop film or something with a lot of violence and gore <laughs> yeah i would love that that would be so much fun i'm sure mike would love writing that i know and i i know all the legalities and all the <laughs> and people are yeah so but i just wanted to throw that out there <laughs> marvel if you're listening yes please yes. <laughs> and now I'm also going to list so any word on a La, a La Mureta action figure because I need a partner. Oh, snap. That's cool. Figure. <laughs> That's awesome. You know what? Actually, there is some rumblings of a La Mureta thing or two happening. Um, I'm not real privy to that information, but I know that I've seen stuff floating around uh on the uh, sworn nation page on facebook which okay. is an extension of Com coffin comics okay i seen uh, i seem to mention possibly a sculpture also an action figure mm -hmm. so who knows yeah I, I again i'm not privy to that stuff but i've seen pictures yeah <laughs> because i i know coffin comics i know coffin comics did the lady death action figure kickstart yeah. last year yeah, like it did pretty good, I think. 
but if they but if they do one of La Moreta, I'm definitely I think they that. might. I'm gonna Oh heck yeah. Me and too. I'm, <laughs> I'm be sending pictures of the Punisher to you. That's such a cool combo, right? It is. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. All right. So any last words on the La Moreta onslaught Kickstarter? Any last words? Um just that uh, for those who check it out, thank you so much for giving us a chance. Um, you know, getting the opportunity to reach out to people that are very familiar with Coffin Comics or La Muerta, for that matter, um, is part of why, you know, we do these interviews and, and whatnot. And uh, we're just trying to get people to check out these books, and expand our fan base. And uh, we're creating content for people who enjoy comic books, but, you know, maybe they want something other than the Marvel and DC fanfare, you know, uh, those things are great too. Um, there's a lot of great books out there. Um, and we hope that uh, you give La Muerta Onslaught uh, a chance just to check it out and check out what we're about here at Coffin Comics. So, and if you do, uh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Um, I'm always open to hearing feedback from our fans. Um, they can always reach out to me on Facebook or on Instagram or on Twitter. Um, and again, we couldn't do any of these uh, books or um, have all these opportunities without the support of our fans. So I'm really appreciative of them uh, backing our projects and supporting our efforts. Um, we're nothing without those guys. And just a reminder, the Kickstarter starts on May 12th. So. Yes, thank you very much. May 12th, guys, please check it out. All right, so okay, so Joe, I'm slowly winding down, so I've got you know, some final questions before we go into the fun question part. So John okay. from the Comic Book Cage podcast submitted this question. Since most comic cons are on hold due to, due to the pandemic, are you doing any commissions? Yeah, um, I do I do quite a few commissions. Uh, um, people can email me at joel at joelgomez.net uh, to find out more. Okay. Um, yeah, I do sketch covers, nine by twelve and eleven by seventeen size commissions. Um, and if if they email me, I can send them the breakdown and, okay. and the examples if, if need be. So yeah. Okay. All right. Now, yeah. Drew submitted. What's your dog's name? <laughs> Colonel Mustard. Colonel Mustard from Clue. Yeah, I have a. <laughs> I know. I have a little wiener dog. Uh, <laughs> and his name's Colonel Mustard. I. I went with mustard because I thought, oh, wiener dog, hot dog, mustard. Yeah. And when when I did that, I didn't realize that I had forgot that there was a character in the, in the board game Clue called Colonel Mustard. Mm -hmm. And so anytime I have I mention to somebody, they go like, oh, that's an amazing dog. What's your dog's name? And I'd say Colonel Mustard, and they would say, in the library with the candlestick. <laughs> and I'm like, what? And I'm like, oh, you mean Clue? And I'm like, oh, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> So yeah, ongoing joke. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Drew from Comics for Fun and Profit submitted this question: Where do you see the comic industry going in 2021? 2021. Well, I mean, we're almost we're almost at the halfway mark, right? Um, I don't know. It's been. I think the pandemic has really stretched and stressed uh, things and really kind of pushed the walls, the parameters of what can be done. And I'm realizing that 
I think for a minute people thought comics was going to break and it wasn't going to work anymore, and yeah. it didn't. I mean, it just it just kind of morphed into something else, and uh, and I think that's a good thing. I think you know, in regards to difficulties and you know the pandemic, it feels like the harder times regarding those things are behind us, and so I can't imagine it being any worse for comics. Like I feel like they're going to be stronger for it maybe and you know maybe the mail order business of comics is going to be a little bit more fruitful than it has been in the past just because people who maybe weren't used to it or has now become more of the norm for a lot of people you know and uh i don't know what it means for brick and mortar stores i you know i don't frequent as much of them as i used to but uh the convenience of shopping online and all of those things just in general has made it uh, where it's a different thing. And, and ironically, because of my profession before the pandemic, I mean, I was doing so many shows that um, I do two, three, four shows a year or whatever, and especially local ones where I could kind of just check out comics at the shows, you know, cause they would always have the latest comics at those conventions. And that actually gave me an opportunity to, it was almost like being at a store, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, it was the way I would keep current. Um, yeah. But um, I think it's going to be good in general for comics. I feel like uh, uh, we we kind of had some growing pains through the pandemic, but I think through it, I think everyone got to experience that comics wasn't going away. In fact, it's, at least for, for me at Coffin and the kind of work and business we do, it was busier than ever. Mm-hmm. So maybe it's a good sign. No, but that's pretty good because because as you mentioned, like Coffin Comics, when you visit, you know, their, their, um, their company, mm-hmm. you know, you know, part of their, their business was like, you know, basically doing Kickstarters. It, it was like, um, the, um, like, um, yeah, um, oh, I can't even think of the word right now, but it, it, it was just a, it's a well-oiled machine. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, they, they've got a real good way of they they get directly to the consumer. Yes. Um, so and that person can buy all of their comics from the safety and comfort of their home and have them shipped professionally by coffin directly to their home without ever having to leave the house. And uh, the speed at which they get it to you and the and the quality of the books it's it's interesting. It's something new to me. Like I said. I'm sure we're not the only ones, but it seems that the the medium or the business of comics is evolving in a way that maybe you don't need a big publisher as much. You just need a strong fan base and a connection to those people and to be able to consistently uh, deliver the product that they want on a regular basis. You know? Yeah. All right. Um, I know you mentioned earlier that you and Mike are working on a project um, beside, and I know you can't talk about that one, but are you able to talk about any upcoming projects that you're currently working on? Um, I, I'm doing some, um, well, I'm doing variant covers uh, for Coffee Comics books. So I have some uh, Lady Death variant covers I'll be doing. I'll also be doing um, some Lady Death Hell Witch variant covers as well as um, some La Muerta 
uh, seasonal covers. So oh. we're doing like a Halloween edition. Um, I think we're doing another one, maybe a Christmas edition. Um, so bouncing in between all of those. And uh, the project I'm working on with Mike is a 96-page graphic novel, again, through Coffin. Uh-huh. But we're expanding. Uh, this is a whole new character uh-huh. uh, that's uh, that uh, Brian Polito and Mike McLean have uh, kind of developed. Yes. And uh, I'm really excited about it only because it's somewhat of a departure. Uh, I mean, again, I've been drawing Mamlerka for six plus years. Uh-huh. And so this is the first time I'm not drawing her in a book. So, and this book has got a, a very interesting twist to it. And I just can't wait for people to check it out. Okay. All right. <laughs> All right. Now I'm going to move into the fun questions. Okay. I like it. All right. What was your best convention moment or moments, whether it was meeting a uh, creator or a, a media guest or? <laughs> all right. Well, one of them was my, it had to be my hands down favorite. I was at uh, New York Comic Con. Mm-hmm. It must have been in 2010. Okay. And um, the floor had just opened on Friday. Uh, exciting. Lots of people rushing through the doors, coming into the artist alley area, and like you could see a bunch of them were like making a beeline to their favorite artists mm-hmm. to try and get on their lists, whatever. Um, and I see this one frantic man running around, and his eyes darting left and right, and then his eyes land on me, and he stops and he looks right at me, and he like kind of starts beelining towards me, and he's rushing towards me, and he's coming up, and I'm sitting at my table, like, oh, okay, but he's you and I say uh, yes. He goes, excuse me. Yes. He goes. Are you a famous artist? And I said uh, no. And he said okay. And he just took off. <laughs> <laughs> and so <laughs> my table, the, the the neighbor to my right, who had he had an artist alley table as well. And he goes, wow, what was that about? I go, I don't know. He asked me if I was a famous artist. He goes, I guess you weren't because he didn't recognize you. And I go, no, I guess not. <laughs> What a weird thing, right? I know. What <laughs> oh my god! That made me oh, laugh. I, I'm just sorry that happened. I'm sorry. I, I thought it was hilarious. I know. I should hilarious. I'm sorry that happened. I, la- I, I thought it was hilarious. It made me laugh hard because I guess I was not a famous artist. He didn't recognize me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Another one that was kind of cool was uh, I, I met Jack Black. Oh at my God. San Diego okay. Comic Con. All right. He was in a he was in a Hawaiian shirt and a stormtrooper helmet, and he was just walking up and down the aisle. And uh, he said, I, I don't I couldn't make out what he said. Uh-huh. And I said, What? And he goes, This looks cool. And I couldn't. I go, Excuse me. And so he takes his mask off, and he goes, This looks cool. And I was like, Oh shit, you're Jack Black. <laughs> and he just kind of gave me like a like a daps kind of thing. You know what I mean? A fist bump. Yeah, he gave me a fist bump, and I was like, wow, that was amazing. And then he disappeared. <laughs> That's pretty cool, though, right? That one was better. Yeah, that was pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So um, what is your favorite takeout place in your city or town? Oh, I like that. That's a good one. And then correct me if I'm wrong. What? Is in San Diego? Correct me if I'm yeah, wrong. we are. We are in San Diego. Um, my favorite takeout. Uh, let me see. Well, 
there's this uh there's this food truck right by me called shawarma guys oh, okay. uh, and they do like shawarma and falafel and all that. it's really good um and they use like this kobe beef uh and so they do like these uh like these kobe beef fries uh -huh. and so like uh on fridays when i'm feeling like extra like all right it's friday yes. I'll, I'll order like uh i'll get i'll place an order of the the shawarma beef fries and and share them with beth and we'll we'll make the most of it but yeah that's probably our favorite uh takeout food that's pretty cool okay um can you promote your social media platforms oh sure sure um on instagram i am you can find me at the uh, joel gomez art mm -hmm. um, all one word and uh, yeah i'm always posting warm-up doodles on there whatever on twitter uh joel g mm -hmm. you can find me on twitter um the O in Joel is actually the number zero, so it's J zero E L G. Uh, that's my handle on on Twitter, um, and then on Facebook, Joel Gomez Artists. You can find me on there. Mostly Facebook, I just post La Muerta related coffin comics stuff on there, uh, and then my personal sketches and everything else I post on Instagram. Okay, all right. Any last words for our listeners? uh no just that i hope to see some of you guys out on the uh, convention circuit sometime soon uh i'm really glad that uh we're slowly starting to crawl back to some sort of normality and i'm hoping everybody is staying safe and sane out there and uh getting uh slowly getting everyone vaccinated so we can all meet and do fist bumps at the uh, conventions together mm -hmm. all right Joel, thank you very much for your time. Thank you for doing this interview. Thank you very much. Oh, thanks so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it, Jason. Thank you for your time. No. And then, of course, when Amazing Comic-Con back, comes back to Hawaii, when you and Beth come down, I'll see you guys. Oh, soon. yeah. We'll yeah. have to hang out. Until next time, guys. Aloha. Aloha. That was my interview with artist Joel Gomez. It was great talking story with Joel. Now, please forgive me. I know my pronunciation is bad, and I'm going to do my best. The La Mureta Onslaught Kickstarter campaign starts on May 12th. If you can afford to, please back this campaign. I'm definitely going to. And if you're interested in picking up and reading other La Mureta stories, check out CoffinComics.com and Comicsology. And please check out Coffin Comics YouTube TV channel and look for Joel Gomez from script to final page as Joel talks about his process. You know, now I want to say mahalo, thank you in Hawaiian to a few people who made this episode possible. First off, I want to thank Beth Sotelo, Joel's wife, for helping in arranging this interview. And I want to thank Joel for his time. Joel, it was great talking to you. Thank you very much. And I also want to thank Drew, the Comics for Fun and Profit co-host, for letting me contribute to his podcast and for doing all the heavy lifting behind the scenes in putting this episode together. So, Drew, thank you very much. Now, if you are a new listener to the Comics for Fun and Profit podcast, please check out their weekly episode that comes out every Saturday. Drew and Kyle do spec picks on new releases that comes out every Tuesday and Wednesday. And finally, I want to thank you, the listeners, for your time 
And thank you very much for listening to this episode. Thank you very much. Until next time, guys. Aloha.